and adults, let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Well, as you open up, I will uh, let you know, maybe you're new here, maybe, uh, maybe you're tired and forgot what we're doing. Uh, we've been in a series for a couple weeks on the topic of humility, and we're going to be finishing that up this morning. It's very rare for us, actually, to teach through a topic of Scripture. Typically, we're preaching straight through a book. We've been in the book of Matthew. We're going to get back there, but we need this topic. We need this particular topic. Pride is a uniquely dangerous sin to the believer. A uniquely dangerous sin for the church. Uniquely dangerous to Mercy Hill. Humility, on the other hand, is a uniquely precious gift. Uniquely precious gift to the believer, to the church, and to Mercy Hill. So my prayer for this series for this morning is that God would, by his grace, make me a more humble man. That he would make you a more humble follower of Christ. That he would enable us as a church to walk more in humility together. That, that humility would, would flavor our interactions with each other. That it would flavor our thoughts of ourselves and our thoughts of each other and our thoughts of our God. That's what I'm praying for. Let's pray together that the Lord will do that this morning. Lord, we ask that you would be at work right now. We read your word and think about your word. You cause your word to transform us. You've said that it is living and active. So we pray that it would be living and active within each one within hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Am I still getting cut off, or are we good? Okay, we're good. I got a lot of good. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 3. I'll read, you can follow along. We'll be going verse 3 to verse 11. God's Word. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. God's Word. All right, so uh, if you've been with us in this series, you know what we've been doing is considering different ways 
that we can grow in humility. So we've, we've actually developed quite a list over a number of weeks of practices that you, we could pursue to grow in humility. Last week, there were 12 things of, that we would pursue. Don't worry, this week, there are only three. But we're going to consider those three. And I want to begin with the most important one in the list. If this is not on your list, throw away your list because it will do you no good. Um, this, is, this is the first and primary and most important thing that we could have on any list when it comes to becoming more humble. And point number one, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Now, the passage that we just read is about humility. Right? The, the, the whole thing, verse 3, it says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Then it talks about the mindset of humility in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What I want to point to in the passage is where does Paul locate humility in this passage? Where does the author, where does, where does God, where does, he, where does he say that humility is to be found? This mind, have this mind among you, listen, here it is, which is yours, in Christ Jesus. There's one place where humility is located, and it is located in Christ. Humility is not something we produce apart from Christ. It's not something we make on our own. It is certainly not something we bring to the game. Humility is only found in Jesus Christ. Now, you might be able to, to fight against pride in certain ways on your own. Maybe clip around the edges. Maybe you're tempted towards a particularly prideful action and you're able to stop that prideful action. Great. But when it comes to a humility from the heart that forsakes this love that we all have for our own reputation, our own name, our own influence, our own glory, and transfers that to a genuine, heartfelt desire that He alone be glorified, that He alone be honored, that His name be remembered, and my name be forgotten. Friend, you can't do it on your own. That heart change is not something that we can bring about. We cannot, in our self-sufficiency, become humble. Humility is found in Christ alone. Which means, if you take the rest of my list of ways to pursue humility, and you take that out on your own, apart from a reliance on Christ, you will make zero progress in humility, and may even be off, be worse off deceiving yourself that you've made progress, but having no actual heart change. I watched a little YouTube video the other day that talked about this certain kind of uh, metal that's only found in meteorites. So I guess this, this metal is like in the asteroid belt, right? And then, you know, whatever, an asteroid gets, I don't know, how, how does this work? Gets knocked into our orbit and lands on the earth, right? And so you can find this metal on earth, 
but only where a meteor impact has been. So if you find this particular metal, you know that it's from a meteorite. If you find this particular metal, you can know for sure it's not from here. It does not, it's not found native to our soil. It's not something that happens by itself on earth. So it is with humility. Genuine humility does not grow in the native soil of our hearts. It's not a mineral that's found within us. Where? Where then? Where is humility found if it's not native to mankind? And it's not. It's not native to mankind in America or in another country or in the past or in the future. It's not to be found among us natural to this planet. There is one place that humility comes from. One way that it gets to planet Earth. And humility's origin is in God alone. Humility is a divine attribute. God is humble. We are not, but He is. Humility is native to God. And so, if you find it on earth, you know it didn't come from here. It came from Him. And it comes in the person of Christ. Humility is in Him. When you find it, you have found the work of Christ. Would you have humility? Then you must have Christ. Would you grow in humility? Then you must grow closer to Christ. Would you put on humility? Then you must put on Jesus Christ. Now, over the past few weeks, and even today, we're going through a list of ways that we can grow in humility. And we should do this. It's the right thing for us to do because Scripture commands it. Quote, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So when Scripture gives a command, we do well to think through that command and, and apply that command. And Okay, I'm supposed to clothe myself in humility. What we're doing is talking about different articles of humble clothes that we can put on right? To clothe ourselves. That's, that's, our, that's our list. We should be considering these things, and we should take effort to grow where God's called us to grow. And yet, there's a danger that we could walk out of here to grow in humility without the one thing that we most need to grow in humility, and that is dependence on Jesus Christ. We must Depend upon Him and abide in Him if we're going to grow in this virtue. This is what He says of Himself in John 15. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Would you bear the fruit of humility? Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears the fruit of humility. And apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So friends, would you bear this fruit? Then abide in your joy. Now let me just very briefly on this. What does it mean abide? One of these Christian words. What does it mean abide? This is, this is our relating, our daily relating with Jesus Christ. You are a person. He is a person. And if you know him, you're in relationship with him. This, this is a this is a awareness of him, a reliance on him, an awareness of your weakness, a, a, a reliance on his strength day by day by day, seeking to walk with him. That's abiding in Christ. And that's how we grow in humility. It, the Christian life should not, should not be summed up in the words, pursue humility. Uh, that's not the Christian. Here's the Christian life. Pursue Jesus Christ. Abide in Him. As you abide in Him, friends, you will grow in humility because you're walking with the humble one Himself. All right, so number one, abide in Christ. Number two, contemplate the cross. Contemplate the cross. When I say contemplate the cross, I'm saying think on the gospel. Think on the gospel. The cross is the centerpiece of the gospel, but but it's also kind of shorthand, if you will, for the perfect life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. Contemplate this gospel. We would grow in humility. We must stay near to the cross of Christ. Why do I say this? I mean, it sounds good. Why do I say it? Because this is what Paul does in this passage. Look at the way he, God, Put this passage together. All right, so we're going to look back at our passage. It begins with an exhortation towards humility. Here's the command to humility, beginning in verse 3. Humility. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Up till now, it's an exhortation. Be humble. From here on, he transitions. From be humble to see Jesus on the cross, to look at the cross. Verse 5, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The whole passage is set up from an exhortation to humility to an exploration of the cross. Paul knows what he's doing. Would you grow in humility? Then contemplate what your Savior has done for you. Consider what he has done for you. What a glorious gospel we have. What a glorious thing that he did for us. Look back at verse 6. Christ, it says, was in the form of God. That is, he was and is fully divine. Fully divine, fully worthy of all worship, fully worthy of all honor and praise and glory. He's not capable of pride, of course. God is not, God is not capable of sin. He's not capable of pride. But also, God's not capable of pride because you cannot exaggerate His glory. You can't give Him too much praise, too much honor, 
Too much. We're not a thing. Can't do it. You can never give praise equal to what he is worthy of. He is worthy of all praise and all glory from all people at all times. That's who Jesus is. And yet, though he's in the form of God, verse 6, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So, in his hands is the divine right to all glory and honor and praise and worship, but he grasped it not, and he opened his hands. Not holding on to it. Which could almost make it seem a bit like he was passive, like then kind of allowed the glory to slip through his fingers. But no, he was active in this. Verse 7, he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all glory and honor. He hid his right to glory, honor, worship, praise, reputation. Divine prerogative. And then verse 7, he took the form of a servant. It wasn't some, you know, from the throne to like a high-ranking servant who like serves in the throne room. He's like the guy you got to go through to get in the throne room. No, he did not go from, from the throne to a high-ranking servant. He went from the throne to the lowest of servants. Verse 7, he became human. Transcendent God became limited. And verse 8, being found in human form, he wasn't done humbling himself. He humbled himself further by becoming obedient. His words, God obeyed. God submitted. The Son of God said, yes, sir, to his Father. Obedience, just like you've done and nothing like you've ever done. For he obeyed to the point of death. And not just any death, but even death on a cross. Never has this been equal. Never will this be paralleled. Never has a tenth of this been attempted. This will never be matched. This is the glory of Christ. This is the glory of God displayed. His humility unto death. And friend, if you are here and you don't know the Lord, then let me just plug in the reality of why he did all this. And it is for your sake that you, far from God, could be brought near to God. Because he who was near to God went far from God for your sake. Friend, if you don't know the Lord, you need earn nothing to know him this morning. Look to Christ and trust him. He is your way to God through what he did for you. He is the way to God. All you need to do is trust him. Confess your sin to him and trust him. And you will be saved and you will know your creator. Friend, if we're going to grow in humility, We've got to fix our gaze on the place where humility was best demonstrated. This is the demonstration of humility for all time. 
unequaled, and unsurpassed. This is where it is seen most clearly. The cross reveals humility in all its splendor and glory. Okay, so so far, we talked about two things. Right? Abiding in Christ and contemplating the cross. These two different things. On the one hand, we have abiding in Christ. His relationship with Him. Staying near to Him. Drawing near to Him. Bringing our weakness to His strength because we know that He's good. That's abiding in Christ. On the other hand, something distinct is, is a more mental thing where we're contemplating the cross. We're thinking about what Christ accomplished in the gospel. What's revealed about God by what we see upon the cross. We are using our minds and perhaps some of our imaginations to consider these things. These two things are distinct. Abiding in Christ and contemplating the cross. They are distinct, but they are not altogether different. Let me say it this way. Would you abide in Christ? Then contemplate the cross. Then think of what He has done for you, because it is at the cross that you will see Him most clearly. That's where you will find Him. When you find Him nowhere else, you know where to look. Come back to the cross and contemplate what He has done for you. This is the highest revelation of God ever made among mankind. Here is the love of God most clearly seen. Here is the justice of God poured out upon sin. Here you can see what God really thinks about sin and what God really thinks about mercy. Here you can see steadfast love and faithfulness and justice perfectly married in one place. Here. Here is mercy. Here is grace. Here is kindness. Here is goodness. Here is the mystery of God on display. Would you abide in Christ? Contemplate the cross. Those who would abide in Christ without contemplating the cross may find that it is not Christ with whom they are abiding. For this is He. This is Him revealed. This is who he is. When I say abide in Christ, I mean abide in the crucified and risen Savior. I mean abide in the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Abide in the Christ of Scripture. So dear friends, dear church, abide in Christ. Contemplate the cross. Abide in Christ. Contemplate the cross, number three. Develop the mindset. Develop the mindset. Verse three, again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves. The the goal, the thing that we're after here is a mindset of humility. 
Now, I want to I juxtapose that for just a second to having a, a list of humility to-dos where we have, you know, this thing on the list and this thing on the list and this. I'm not going to denigrate lists. I'm going to say the point of the list is to get to a new mindset. That we have a mindset, a Christ-like mindset of humility. If we were to try to make a list of ways to be humble from this passage, uh, we could find a few in here. Verse 3, put off selfish ambition. Don't put yourself first. Don't put your agenda first. Don't put your desires first. Verse 3, again, put off conceit. Conceit is not just the putting of oneself first. It's the surety that that's the right way for things to be. This is the world as it ought to be. I'm first. Of course I'm first. That's how things should be. That's conceit. Put off conceit. Verse 3 again. Count others more significant than yourself. Take as your desires your brother's desires. Take as your preferences their preferences. Prefer them. Think of them. Verse 4. Look to others' interests. Look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. What is your spouse concerned about today? What is your friend burdened with? What is your child hoping for? What is your brother struggling under? Think of them. Think of their interests and pursue their interests. And then we have, of course, the whole Example of Christ. We could add to our list. He became a servant. We should become servants. He obeyed the Father. We should obey. He suffered for others. And though his suffering was certainly unique and unrepeatable, nevertheless, we are also called to suffer, to love others. Friend, each of these things deserves paragraphs of description. Don't worry, I promise three points. We're going to stick to three points. I'm just illustrating that there is a list of things that we could be pursuing in here. And that doesn't even touch the fact that we have a list we've already started over the past several weeks. You might remember a few of these. Uh, laugh at yourself. Cry publicly. Judge charitably. Insist on getting counsel in major decisions of your life. Admit your sin. Confess sins to one another, ask forgiveness, encourage others, celebrate evidences of grace, give thanks in all things. That's part of the list that we've come up with and have discussed so far. Each of these things, friends, we think of as an article of clothing, right? That we can put on in obedience to 1 Peter 5.5. 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. These are useful practices. What I want to point to is that the list is meant to be like training wheels for us to develop not a dependence on a list, but the mindset of humility. Yeah? So for this to work, you've got to, you've got to take that list and use it. You've got to apply some of those things in your own life. But it's not that we want to be a church identified with that like humble list. You know Mercy Hill? Kind of this weird church. 
They have like a list of humble rules you have to follow. Like you have to laugh at yourself. Kind of weird. I don't even know what that means. But you have to laugh at yourself. And then you have to cry publicly. Like that is so bizarre. But their pastor does it all the time. So I don't know. Right? <laughs> We're not looking to be a church defined by a list about humility. We're looking to be defined by a dependence on Christ and a humility that's Christ-like. So, so think of these, this list, these practices that we've been talking about, as putting training wheels on the bike. You need training wheels? Because I do. I need training wheels. I want to be that six-year-old that just hops on the bike. It's like, I got this. Ooh, and off you go. I am that 45-year-old that keeps falling off the doggone bike, right? Perhaps you can identify with that as well. I fell off the bike a little while ago. Uh, back when I went to uh, the pastor's college, that's where I got my training to be a pastor. They do a wonderful job of uh, focusing on character as part of the training. So it's not just academic, it's, it's also character. And one of the things, there are about 20, 25 of us in the class. One of the things we did, we recognized we all are proud men and we want to learn to be humble. So, so let's learn to laugh at ourselves. And so we had a class rule to help us with this. And the class rule was that we were going to celebrate everybody's birthday. And here's how we would celebrate it. On your birthday, you got to come up to the front of the class and sing happy birthday to me, to the whole class, a cappella. Happy birthday to me, right? Whether you could sing or not was irrelevant. You're going to come up, and we're all going to get to laugh with you, <clears throat> at you, while you while you sing happy birthday to me. It was, it was funny. It was enjoyable. It built unity, you know, as we kind of teased each other through that. Good, good to see my friends laugh at themselves. Good to laugh at my friends and at their expense. It was fun. But then December came along. And somehow I failed to mention my birthday. The week came, the week went, nobody asked, and I didn't tell. I didn't have to sing. Truth be told, I was embarrassed out of my mind, the idea of standing up and singing. And I thought I had won. My pride had won. But I had lost, and I had missed an opportunity to apply this simple Scripture, clothe yourself, every one of you, with humility toward one another. In my pride of taking myself too seriously, being a bit too thin-skinned, sensitive about my shortcomings, fell off the bike. And I need training on this list. And let me just invite you to pray for me on this journey. And Sean, he needs it too. Pray for your pastors who are proud men who've been captured by grace whom God is training in humility. 
pray that the Lord would continue that work in us, even as we pray for you, that the Lord would forward that work within you. So the three things that we've talked about today, abide in Christ, contemplate the cross, and develop the mindset of humility. So I want to I just encourage you to take one of these things on the list and begin to apply it. Begin to apply it in your life. I would encourage all the care groups to be talking about this together. What can we apply as a care group together? Here's a question. You ready? Where do you see pride in your heart while you're at care group? Go. Whoa. Uh, if you haven't seen that, maybe you've never been to care group. Uh, I've never been to care group without seeing it, or at least without being influenced by my desire to impress, to show a strong faith, to demonstrate some confidence. So friend, I would encourage you, find one or more of these that you could begin to pursue, that you could begin to put on, that we could together grow in humility. I know and I love this church. We long to have this mindset. We long to have this mind among us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. We long to become less so that he might become more among us. We long to decrease that Christ might increase. We long that, that my name, that your name, that Mercy Hill's name may quickly be forgotten, but that his name would be recalled and remembered and rejoiced in, in this generation, and the next generation, and the generation after that, to the glory of God. That's, that's our heart. That's where we want to go. And humility is the path, friend. Humility is the path. So let, let, let it be our prayer that we may decrease, that he may increase. Let it be our prayer that we can make less of us, that we could lift up more effectively our brothers and sisters, stand with them, encourage them, and that Christ's name would be exalted. So I'm going to close with the last verses that we've already read, which is our hope for the last day. One day he will have a name that's exalted. That is the hope of the church. Not that our name will be exalted. Not that my name will be remembered. Not that I'll have some great legacy. No, the legacy is his. And the glory goes to him. And may the Lord speed this day that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.